Georgia preview, bowl picks, and Chad works the corner to make a little change for daddy. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 56, and we are coming to you right during the holiday season. We hope everybody out there had a Merry Christmas, and you're looking forward to a Happy New Year. And hopefully it's going to be one heck of a Happy New Year if we can find a way to beat those dogs of Georgia uh, this coming weekend. What do you say, Mr. Davis? So... It, it kind of crept up on me a little bit. It's like next thing you know, you know, the game's like a week away, then three days or four days away, then, you know, getting it's getting closer. So the anticipation's starting to get there. Uh, the team arrived in Atlanta a few days ago. Um, they've had they've had some media, um, some media appearances, and they've also had a couple practices so far, which the early report is that, you know, everyone's doing well. Uh, a few small things, you know, Mayan, I guess, has a bug right now. Uh, he's a little bit been on a little a little bit under the weather. Um, they also swapped out someone else in the media. Um, not sure who it was, but someone else was supposed to talk. I'm not sure if that was sickness or not. So hopefully that's not some sort of big ordeal. But other than that, um, we sound like we're all systems go. Yeah, I've been reading the same thing. Um, and you know, I kind of like the attitude that I'm getting coming from the camp. Um, you know, a lot of the the interviews that I've been seeing about the defense and, you know, is that they want to come in and prove everybody wrong and prove themselves right, I think was the headline that I saw. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I really, I really hope that happens this, this weekend. Um, you know, I, I want to see max effort. Did you know that that's what it's all about for me? Max effort. Of course I appreciate it. But then again, it's all coach talk. It's all, you know, media speech that you're supposed to be saying, like, you know, are they going to go out there and be like, no, we're really worried. You know, we came off of a poor performance. We're worried. We're not going to, I mean, they're not going to say that stuff. Well, CJ doesn't have a problem saying stuff like that. Yeah. We're not getting into that yet, but <laughs> listen, I understand everything sounds great, but I also need to see it on the field. Um, it's one thing to sit there and say that in media coverage, and it's another thing to actually go out in the field and perform it. So uh, we're going to do a pretty massive breakdown of this Georgia game. Um, we're not as much X's and O's. We'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that. But we are a lot more on kind of our feelings and emotions from a fan standpoint. Um, probably some irrational <laughs> feelings uh, or some not so irrational feelings. But either way, that's kind of going to be the way we're going to go about this. So... I would like to start with just your overall feel before we start breaking down one side and the other in matchups and players that you think need to have an impact, will have an impact, what what it is it's going to take for us to win, you know, what does that kind of game plan look like, things like that. So what is your just overall feel right now coming into this game? To be honest, uh, I, I feel like if I could have a tattoo on my forehead of Ohio State, it would be a question mark. Um I just don't know, dude. I got to be totally honest with you. In my head, I see what I think it would constitute, what it would take to constitute a victory versus Georgia. And, you know, the question in my mind is, do we have what it takes to bring that? Like we've talked about before, the second half of the season has been something to be, it, it's been something to be desired. Like 
there's been stuff left on the field. There's been mistake after mistake. There's been bad play calling. There's been injury. There's been just all kind of stuff, man. And I want to see, can this Ohio State football team put it all together for one game of football? Can we do that? So my overall initial reaction to this, dude, has to be just that I'm scared. I really don't know what to expect. You know, I I have a big question mark. Uh, How are you feeling? I think you put a good point there is will we finally put it all together? I think in the first half of the year, we played more consistently over more of the entire duration of a game. In the second half of the year, it's not that we didn't play well. It's that we didn't play well for an entire game. We might have a poor second half, then a really good second half or a really good first half and kind of a ho-hum second half or kind of a bad, you know, middle two quarters or something like that. But we still were able to beat every team by double digits. It wasn't until the Michigan game where we kind of had, I mean, I know we were up three points at halftime, but still that wasn't a great first half. I mean, we gave it some big plays. We did not score enough points off of over 300 yards of offense like we should have. And then we come out and have our worst half of the season on top of that. So that was just kind of an abnormality still, in my opinion. I know a lot of different things had to line up for that many things to go wrong, but it did. So I'm still, me personally, I'm not saying that that Michigan game is who we really are or what we're going to put on the field um, this Saturday night. I think that um, we definitely still need to have a much more overall all-around game, you know, all all three different phases clicking, that being offense, defense, and special teams. But I'm not as, I guess, overly discouraged like the majority of Buckeye fans that I'm listening to and reading about seem to be. Uh, Everyone already already is talking about how we don't have a chance. No no one's saying we have a chance. Like, I, I understand it from SEC country and from the Georgia Bulldog fans and you know, from even the the media, but from our own fan base, I'd say easily 80%, 90% or more are all like, well, we have no shot in this game. And I think they are just hanging on to way too much about what happened in that Michigan game and not taking the holistic view of what this team really is into account. So I feel like, uh, everything's a little bit skewed in my opinion. I mean, I feel like there's way too many negative Nancy's out there and hell, if that's the, if that's the point, then why are we even showing up for the game? If you think we're just going to get beat anyways, to, to be fair, we've shown up for every game and still gotten beat some of the time. (laughs) So you still have to show up to get your butt kicked. Well, you understand what I'm saying though. I mean, the amount of negativity in our own camp going around with our fan base is almost just it's disgraceful to sit there and read like i understand where they're coming from on a lot of the points but show some show some fandom show some ownership of of your team and find a way to support this team and understand that listen we have just as many five stars and four stars as georgia does and I understand that we have not played a complete game the whole second half of the year, but what's to say with a month preparation and resting kids up and coming up with a good game plan that we can't do that this weekend? Well, the thing is, dude, and, you know, I, I can comfortably speak for Buckeye Nation when I say this, and that's that they walk by sight, dude, and the sight has not been good. So I really, while I think that some people are a lot over the top about it, I still think that it's pretty warranted. It's warranted at this point. And yes, I know there's been injuries. And yes, I know there's been, you know, other issues contributing to it. But if you really think about it, if you look at the body of work, our body of work was good against no one. 
And then it was bad against everyone in the second half of the season. So I just, you know, while I do agree that people are overreacting, I do. I don't see how you fault them for that. I don't see how that's not the mindset of 80% of the people. Because to be honest, I'm not going to have to be proven right in this game. I need to be proven wrong. They need to prove to me that I'm not right about this. And that's kind of where I'm at, dude. This team has not shown me the leadership and the the actual ability to win big games and make tough decisions in tough spots this year. So that's going to have to happen, dude, for to change my mind, to be honest. I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything that you're saying there, and I understand why people are. It's just at some point, let me ask you this. What do you think Coach Day and that entire team is doing? Do you think they're going, oh, woe is me, or, hey, you know, we're complete underdogs, like we have to play a perfect game or we have no shot? No, they're going to make their kids believe by the time they get on the field that they have that they have what it takes to win this game. Well, let's hope they're really good motivational speeches because well, I don't know. You know, to and motivate motivation only gets you so far. Um, How motivated it's, were it's, they versus Michigan? I think we came out motivated in that game. I mean, if you remember the first, you know, handful of drives, we were dominating that game. We were. Um, it's not just the motivation factor. Motivation can take you so far, and then at some point, it comes down to execution, um, play calling. Um, you know making smart decisions, not doing stupid penalties. You know, it, it's it's going to come down to execution. And I think everyone wants to point to this matchup and that matchup, and if this happens, if that happens, if we win the line of scrimmage, this, that, and the other, which we'll get into all that. But I think at the end of the day, if we can just execute to the best of our ability and have a really good execution day, I think people are going to be shocked at what they see on the field. See, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to come down to heart. I think heart trumps everything. I think you can be a little less good at execution. I think you could be a little less good of a football team. But if you want it more, if you go out there and kick someone in the teeth on every single play and you give 150% on every single play, dude, that means something. There's a reason Rudy made the football team, dude. There's a reason. He was offsides. He was offsides, but that's not the (laughs) point. (laughs) I'm just saying to me, it means something to go in there and do that. And that's what I want to see from this team, man. I have no doubt in my mind that if we played the perfect game, if the perfect storm came about that we could beat Georgia, that is that is not lost on me. What is lost on me is the complete attitude of this team this year, and that's what I'm most disappointed in. So I'm just wanting to see, are they going to come out here and prove me wrong? I hope they do, dude. I so badly want to eat crow and be like, you know what? I was wrong all year, all year long. Like this team has been misunderstood. They've been misjudged. I want to say that, but to be honest, man— like you said, you know, you feel like people were holding a little bit too much onto the Michigan game. But like we talked about before, for me, if you can't get up for that Michigan game, if you can't show me that heart versus Michigan after losing last year, and it means a trip to the CFP and it's a top five matchup, and some of these guys are playing their last game, you know, if you can't show me the heart during that, when can you show me the heart? Yeah. Again, can't argue with that either, dude. I mean, it's definitely. Well, you're supposed to. That's why we have a podcast. Yeah. It's, Do it's... something. Well, I can't because, (laughs) you know, a lot of my takes today are going to be a little bit different than yours, but mine are going to be based out of more hope and more knowing what we have and if we can actually get it to perform on the field more than what my eyeballs have shown me. Because beside that, I mean, I agree with everything else you said. I mean, my eyes tell me that this is going to be an extremely tough matchup that we have not shown anything worthy of beating a, a team like Georgia over the last handful of games. 
Um, and then you top that with CJ Stroud, who a lot of times looks like he's kind of being a baby out there. How, you know, he, he, he doesn't really have that dog in him. He's not willing to do whatever it absolutely takes to win. That includes getting, you know, three, four, five yards when he possibly can, or, you know, there's a handful of things we, we could blame it on. I mean, but I, I'm in the same boat too, where that is a worry, but I've gotten to the point where I don't want to go into this game worried. I want to go into this game excited as a fan. I mean, each time we get to the playoffs, man, you cannot take it for granted. And I think everyone doesn't even really feel like we're in the playoffs in a weird way, you know, because of what happened. Uh, it's the first time we've ever lost our last game and gotten into the playoffs. So this is new territory for the team and for fans, you know. It doesn't matter how we take it. It doesn't matter how we approach it. it doesn't well, at the end of the day, feel. no, but the people listening to this are going through what we're going through. There ain't a damn person on that team listening to us. I'm just saying only thing that matters is how Ryan Day and that team is going to be when they come into that game, dude. And and that's what I'm thinking about. Like, you know, like you said, nothing we say or do or or – you know, put it out on social media or whatever, you know, there's not going to, I'm sure that Ronnie Hickman's not sitting in there going, God dang, did you hear what David said? God dang, he's right. I am a sorry piece of crap. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I got to hey, get by my the stuff way, in gear. By the way, that's who it was. That The Steel Chambers replaced Ronnie Hickman, and they don't know if he's sick or if he just got replaced to be replaced by uh, Steel Chambers at the press conference. But that's the other name I was thinking of. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I filled a gap for you there. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and start with um, let's start with the most obvious matchup, and that is going to be Ohio State's offense against Georgia's defense because I feel like that's where everyone is pretty much saying this game is going to be won or lost. And I know a lot of people have talked about it, but um, Georgia's defense is number one in the nation in um, rushing defense. They're giving up less, what, right around 70 yards a game. And running has not been our forte this year. Even as much as Ryan Day tried to force it down some teams' throats, it just was not our forte. Now, partially that is due to the fact that we were unhealthy in the running back room a majority of the year. But still, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a factor. So you'd have to assume coming into this game without an explosive rushing attack, going into the number one rushing defense in the country, there's not going to be much to had, have in the running game. The only exception being if we can get our quarterback mobile, that is probably the best way to gain some yards. However, what Ryan Day likes to do a lot of, which everyone is sick and tired of, is those bubble screens and some RPO stuff to where it ends up being an extension of the run game. And I hate to disappoint a lot of you guys, but knowing that he's not going to be able to run up the middle and needs to get some sort of quote-unquote running game kind of going, you're going to see some more of those plays on Saturday night. Mark my words. But um, I just, you know, it's going to come down to C.J. Stroud and his arm and his legs, and that's going to be the deal breaker in my opinion. I mean, they have uh, a really stout defensive line. They have Jalen Carter, who is an absolute animal, who hasn't played the whole season, but he has as of late, and he's uh, really healthy, and he's someone that probably needs to be double teamed. They have to keep an eye on him. The question is going to be how good can our offensive line hold up to the pass rush that Georgia has? Now, it's not been the pass rush they had in past years, but it's still a very good defensive line. And how much push are we going to be able to get, uh, even when we do finally attempt to run? If we can keep C.J. Stroud upright and give him time to throw, I think he has the ability to pick apart this Georgia defense that has 
one of the not not their strongest suit in defense is their is their pa- or their pass defense in the, in the defensive backfield. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is our strength is George's weakness. And I wouldn't call it a weakness, but it's the weaker part of their defense. So if we're going to exploit anything, CJ Stroud has to have a passing day very similar to what he had against Utah. And I think that is kind of more the matchups that I'm seeing. So you, I guess you can kind of take that what you will, but that's kind of what I'm getting out of this. Um, I think I think it's solely going to depend on the play calling of Brian Day um, and how stubborn he is in his play calling. Um, and I think everybody knows what I'm talking about when you mentioned like the bubble screens and stuff like that. Like, you know, he's just stubborn and doesn't give up on some things. Um, I think that's going to matter big time. Um, you know, if I'm Ohio State, I'm running a true RPO. First of all, they don't have any tape on it. We know CJ can do it, and it's the only way we're going to be able to move the ball. We have to create that mystery. We have to create that shock. We have to give them something they haven't planned for. I'm not worried about CJ making any any throws on the field. He can make deep throws. He can make short throws. We can run crossing patterns. We can do all that stuff and move the ball down the field. It depends on his feet, 100%. Now, the only saving grace I can say in the running game is that you know, I almost, to me, I'm not, I'm not saying that Dallin Hayden's not the mo- more deserving back in this in this situation, but I'm running Chip. They don't have any tape on Chip. Like, let's give them something they don't know about. Like, I'm going to use him as much as I can. Like, let them try to figure him out during the course of the game. And then you can, you know, you can mix in everybody else too. But I'm saying I'm going to use the most surprising elements that I can in this game. And I think, and I think Ryan Day's going to have to get a little bit more risque in his play calling. You can't just be so... Vanilla all the time. We just can't do it. We have to be up tempo. I want to see the Ryan Day from from year one play calling in this game, and I think that's how we're going to win. Do we have to shock and awe? And I think we have to shock and awe early. I'm going to be honest. I really don't think that we can get a feel for this game and let Georgia have two three possessions before we finally settle in because it's going to be fourteen to nothing. We right. need to get up quick and fast. And to me, that's the key on offense. I think it's Ryan Day's play calling. Can we hold the line and see Jay Stroud's legs, period? So if mine's 100% healthy, like we assume he is, and assuming this sickness is not a big deal, mine's the guy. Mine's number one. Um, number two, I would 100% agree with you in the fact that Chip Trianum should be number two. And the only reason I'm saying that is he actually has more game experience because he was a running back at Arizona State, and he has a bigger body that can handle that more. Dale and Hayden is still kind of underdeveloped physically. He's still a talented running back, but he's more uh, of, of a kid that needs space. And he has a really good quickness, and he's more of a north-south. He can make some moves, but he goes more north-south. And once he gets a, a crease, he can probably outrace the competition. So I think there needs to be a mixture of that in there. And I can definitely see us having a lot of success if Dale and Hayden's in uh, with passing you know, to him out of – you know, outside of a, a passing down, like a running back, you know, flat out to the side or maybe a wheel route or something like that. He's that's more the guy that I, I would want to be taken over that kind of role. But uh, I agree. Chip Trianum probably needs to be in there significantly in this game as well. Um, see, I'm I, not I don't want to see anybody less than 100 percent. So if mine's not there and I don't know what the deal is. There's rumors out there, you know, about him being sick. There's rumors about him, you know, still being somewhat injured. I, I really don't know the truth. But if he's not 100%, I don't want to see him in the game. I couldn't agree more. 
couldn't agree more. And unfortunately, we don't make that call. And we've seen Ryan Day put injured running backs in all freaking year long. So all year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that would be my hope. I would rather have a healthy chip in Dalen over a 80, 75, 80% uh, Mayan because all it's going to take is he might be pretty decent for the first couple runs, but then boom, you're out. And then you have to have someone coming cold off the bench that needs to get kind of into the game. And it's just, it can mess your rhythm up. Um, but you brought up something interesting that is super important for Ohio State to do. So if you remember uh, in 2019, I'm sorry, 2020 um, in the college football semifinal against Clemson, uh, one of the things that Ryan Day was worried about and everyone was worried about was Brent Venables stealing signs, Brent Venables, um, yeah, stealing signs or adjusting late or whatever it may be. And what did we do in that game? Well, we got into a huddle and then we would run to the line and snap the ball with whatever formation we ran to within like three seconds and didn't give them time to adjust. And we did that a good chunk of the game. And then we would get into a hurry up to where we would not give the defense a chance to get set. So it's not the exact same principle, but there's a purpose behind playing quick against Georgia that's going to be important because Georgia has a lot of depth, okay? And that's one of the reasons why they're so good at defense is because their number one, their number twos and some of their number threes are, are almost just as good as their number one. So there's no fall off. And they can rotate guys in down specific, uh, distance specific, area of the field specific, and keep guys fresh and put in their specialists in times that they need them. So if you can hurry up and get that first, you know, that first first down and start getting the ball moving and hurry up, you're not going to give Kirby Smart the ability to substitute. And he's not going to be able to get key players in in certain situations that he wants that's going to give him, uh, you know, the upper hand. And not only that, but you're going to start wearing out the first teamers if they have to continue to stay on the field down after down after down and not get subbed in and subbed out. So if we can move the ball, we need to move it quickly. And we need to try to keep uh, their ones on the field as much as possible. And the other thing, too, is you know Kirby Smart also likes to dial up some pressures and do some exotic stuff every once in a while. Well, if we're playing fast, he's going to abandon that and go to a base defense that C.J. Stroud will be able to pick apart. No problem. So I think another key point in this game is that C.J. Stroud in the Ohio State offense has to run a hurry-up. I don't think it needs to be constant hurry-up, but I think it needs to be in several opportune spots so that, that way we can take advantage of them not putting out their best possible defense and their best play calls. I mean, yeah, I obviously, I mean, I want to do that stuff too. I just don't know. I just don't know, man. I mean, Ryan Day's taking another kind of another side this year to to running the offense that I don't recall him really having. Um, you know, the balance has been almost too balanced to a point where like to a fault almost. Like, so I'm just wanting to see like, is he willing to adapt? You know, it's kind of my thing because we all know that that's his his pony show. So. Dude, I don't know. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. We'll see what he comes out with. But I just hope that we're seeing a little bit more. Uh, like you said, he's had, you know, almost a month of game plan for this. Over a month of game plan for this. So, and he's a smart guy. So I have to imagine that we're going to see something out of the ordinary. We're going to see something different. And we're going to see, you know, I think he's going to correct some of the things. Because, dude, I have to, he's got to be feeling the heat. He has to be. You know, he lost twice to Michigan. 
here. Everybody's, you know, talking him and been talking him for the last couple of weeks. I mean, you have to imagine that he's going to want to come out and shut everybody up. You have to think that. This is a turning point game for, and I, I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but this is a turning point game for not only Coach Day, but for our current team and for all of our future teams. And here's what I mean. As long as we come out and we make this game super competitive, win or lose, it is a game in which either team could have won. Then not only could we live with that as fans, but then we know that we're on par with where we need to be. We just had a bad game and couldn't pull out a tight one. I can live with that. But if we come out and we get embarrassed, not only is Ryan Day going to be on the super hot seat, because you get this opportunity put in your lap in a month to prepare and you come lay another egg. How do you answer to that? So he is going to be in the hot seat right then and there. And there's been grumblings and rumors that whether it's appropriate or not, um, some of our current players are being tampered with with other teams. One in name is USC has apparently been calling Marvin Harrison and offering him all kinds of money to leave. And Travion Henderson apparently has been contacted, and there's been a handful of other instances that I've heard of. Uh, nothing specific, but if we come out and we get our doors blown off, do you think these players, given that they might be getting ready to be offered, you know, God knows how much money, especially a lot more than what Ohio State can offer them, that we're getting ready to lose key players off this team that we, we knew we were going to have next year? I mean, so I mean, I, I feel like this game is super important because then when that happens, then you look at our recruiting because we didn't have the best recruiting cycle. I understand we still finished fifth in the country as of right now. I know there's still uh, another, we're losing people left and right. We're lo- well, we're not losing a ton of people, but we're losing the wrong ones. We're losing the ones we can't lose. The five stars. We had a five star flip to uh, Auburn. We had another five star that cho- uh, chose Alabama over us. I mean. We're, we're not bringing in the five stars like we had in the past. In the past, we used to bring in four or five, sometimes six five stars in a class. We brought in one this class. Now, given it was better top to bottom than some of our other classes, but we're still starting to take some of a hit. And you may not see it right away, but it's really in about two to three years after that recruiting cycle is where you start to see that hit. And if yeah. we don't – so th- this game is so important in the eyes of the fan base, the way people see about Coach Day, this team, the current players, recruits coming on. I mean, this game is so important. And I feel like the coaches are smart enough they understand that. So they're going to be doing everything they can to try to win this game. And what I want to see from Coach Day is not necessarily some crazy exotic play call. I just want to see aggressive play calls. I want to see something where we're not trying to go side to side. We're trying to go down the field. We're trying to, you know land haymaker haymaker after haymaker after haymaker because that's going to be the only way that you can try to beat a team like this is to try to get that early lead like you talked about and keep them on their toes but if we if we end up getting suckered down and end up playing a slower knock it out drag it out beat it out game with georgia we're playing right into their hands and we're not going to win that game so i feel like our offense if we want to have any chance to win this game we have to score over 30. I think uh, if we end up having this game somewhere in the teens to 20s, that's going to favor Georgia. If we can somehow find a way to turn this into a shootout, it's going to favor us. So that's kind of, yeah. I guess, my last take on the offense against the defense. 
Okay, well, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, what do you think is, are the keys on defense to beating Georgia? Well, I have a weird take, and it may not be a popular one, but I don't think Georgia's offense is as good as what everyone see, acts like it is. Uh, obviously, we're not as, as high on Stetson Bennett, and I know you're not. No, um, there's a lot of people, you know, he's a very serviceable quarterback. He does have intangibles that CJ Stroud doesn't have. He does have more of a gamer like mentality, which we do appreciate. But physical talent wise, I mean, he can still make plenty of throws that he needs to. But he's not some crazy all star. You know, he's not a Bryce Young. He's not uh, a Caleb Williams. Uh, um, he's not even a Max Duggan, in my opinion. Like he's he's just a very serviceable quarterback, but he just so happens to be on you know, roster wise and, uh, uh, performance wise, the best team in the country. So he's, he's getting more of the benefit of the doubt there, but I just don't feel like their offense is as good as what everyone says it is. And everyone's just sitting there assuming, well, Georgia's got a better offense than Michigan and Michigan already put up 45 points on Ohio state. Like, dude, listen, if you want to sit there and play that, that whole, you know, this person beat this person by this much, so then this person can be this person by this much. Do that. That game is so full of crap. Like, you have to look yeah, at matchups. Yeah, but that's how college football is. That's how the rankings are decided. It, that's how everything's decided. Yeah, but you know that's full of crap because just because one person beat another one doesn't mean well, it's all full of crap when it doesn't favor you. You know what I mean. You know. So, what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, I asked you the other day when we were talking. I said. Tell me the best defense that Georgia played against all year, and I'll wait. And you sat there and thought for a second, and you're like, you know, I'm really not sure. And I said the best defense statistically was Kentucky. And what was the score of the Kentucky game? 16 to 6. Okay, maybe it's just an anomaly. What's the next toughest defense they played? Mm, it was Missouri, statistically. Okay, how'd they do against Missouri? Uh, they won by four. Okay. So what you're telling me is when they actually go up against a decent defense, their offense is not moving the ball anywhere near as much as when they are against Vanderbilt, against a bad Florida team, against Georgia Tech, against the Citadel or whoever the hell else they play. Or Yeah, but my question to you is how decent is our defense? The, and that, but that's a fair statement too. I'm not going to sit here and say that ours is a little bit inflated because of the competition we played. But then on the same token, Georgia's offense is, pardon me, extremely inflated in my opinion based upon the defenses they played. I can see that. I can see both sides of it. I guess where I'm at is that I'm going to tell you this, and I know you're going. I feel like our defense is better than anything they've seen this season. I'm not going to say we're world, we're world beaters. I can't even say that word. World beaters this year on defense, but we're definitely a lot better than we were last year. Uh, we definitely have a lot of playmakers. I mean, hell, we're plus seven on turnover margin. You know what Georgia is? They're minus no. one. Minus one. That means they've actually coughed it up one more time than they've gotten it. Yeah, but the Big Ten's kind of been dog poop this year. And, and the SEC from top to bottom has been solid? Uh, it's been better than the Big Ten, that's well, for sure. that's like saying, here's a big pile of shit and here's another pile of shit. Which one's the worst one, you know? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I want the smaller pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably, and take your shoes off before you come in, right? But I see what you're saying, but I guess I'm just to the point right now uh, with Ohio State's defense that – I think there's a mixture of things going on. 
Um, I think, you know, I just think that uh, Jim Knowles had a terrible game plan versus Michigan. And I think that's why we ended up um, in the situation we were in, um, giving up the big plays. And also, um, to me, you know what, I, I pretty much bogarted your entire thing. Tell me what it takes for the defense to beat him, Davis, and then I'll go on to mine. Because if I, if, I, if I say that sentence, I'm going to have to just go on like about a five-minute tangent. So go on. Well, go ahead. <laughs> I can take a sip. Of, I can take a drink and kick my feet up and listen to you for a minute. Well, you know, I'm a lot shorter winded than you. So I get like really close to the point. So it shouldn't take long. But to me, um, the key to us beating Georgia is to play pretty much a contain. I want to see zone defense. Um, I want to see uh, two safeties over top for coverage. I want to see us keeping everything limited to the middle of the field. Um, obviously, the game in the trenches pretty much matters everywhere you play. So be nice to win that, too. But to me, and this is going to be something that not a lot of people have said, I'm not worried about the personnel. Um, I'm not even so much worried about the scheme that we choose to go with, although I do think that Jim Knowles is going to come out with a totally different attitude and approach to this game um, now that he kind of got smacked on the ass a little bit versus Michigan. But I think the most important part of our defense is going to be in-game adjustments. Adjusting on the fly. I'm not talking about coming out with a game plan, realizing it's not working, and then making a change at halftime. I'm talking about in-game adjustments. I'm talking about from the booth, he sees what's going on, and we switch it up. That's what I'm talking about. And playing the right defense at the right time. I think that's going to matter too. And discipline. Not stupid hits. Not stupid pass interference calls. No headbutting people out of bounds. You know, no stupid stuff. And I think if we can play clean defense... And we make good in-game adjustments. I think that's going to be our best chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that at all. I think that's probably exactly right. Um, I think you're partially right. I agree that we don't need anyone being put on islands now, unless we're in the red zone. Yeah, yeah. Unless I mean, we, zone, we, I mean, we need to tighten up there. But obviously, uh, so the way they're they're passing offense works georgia's passing offense is they mainly use their tight ends and their running backs there is a wide receiver that has 400 some yards i think it's mcconkey but i'm not even sure if he's actually playing or not he did get hurt or injured in the sec championship game and have not got confirmation if he's playing or not is his first name honky honky mcconkey it is actually <laughs> wonderful wonderful parents wonderful parents <laughs> Herb McConkey and Don McConkey, <laughs> McDonkey McConkey, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's the that's that's the family mule. So, oh God! But most of their passing goes through their tight ends, okay? And they have two of the best tight ends in the country. So the reason why that works so well is because that's a matchup nightmare. Because these tight ends are faster than what linebackers can handle, and they're bigger than what defensive backs can handle. So the question is, how do you maintain those? Well, statistically, we've actually done pretty well this year against um, passing to tight ends. Now, we've also not faced tight ends like Georgia has either. So that's going to be probably the biggest area of concern in the passing game. Uh, Stenson Bennett also likes to pass to his uh, running backs. He actually has one running back that has over 400 yards of, of uh, receiving yards as well. So... That's kind of a key part of the passing game, but he's not as big on spreading it around to the different wide receivers. So while I agree we need to keep things in front of us, I still think it's important that we find our own way to get pressure on Stetson Bennett. 
and he's not like some big electric running quarterback. He'll run, but I put him in the same boat, maybe not even as the same boat as Joe Burrow, but somewhere similar where he's not going to sit there and, you know, Braxton Miller you and do all these shifty moves and, you know, be electric running the ball, but he's serviceable. And while you still have to try to maintain and, you know, keep some pocket presence so he doesn't just run all over us, um, I think it's important that, you know, we can't just drop, you know, seven in coverage, eight in coverage, and then hope to God we can get three, four guys there through that offensive line. Cause that, that's a, they were runner up for the offensive line uh, of the year award, uh, Georgia was. And you're not going to get home with sending three or four people. Um, we might occasionally be able to win a battle, but I'm pretty sure Stetson Bennett can move his legs or get the ball out of his hands pretty quick. We've got to find a way to get pressure on him. So we're going to have to mix in some opportunities to blitz, to mix up the coverages, to try to fool Stetson Bennett and make him hold on to it a minute longer while someone can get home. But I do agree that the last thing we need is any big, long plays beating us. Now, on the same token, the other thing we cannot afford to have happen is what happened against Michigan last year and just have them run all over us and basically keep the ball away from us the majority of the time and basically shove it down our throats. Because Georgia has three very capable running backs. They kind of run a three-headed monster. And every single one of those running backs are more than capable of breaking a big run at any time. And then you you match that with a very quality offensive line, and our defensive front has our work cut out for us. But in our defense, we have had a good rushing defense for the majority of the season. So I'm not going to say that's necessarily a wash, but I'm going to say that I'm not expecting Georgia just constantly run it all over us either. So I think you're right in the realm of we just cannot afford the big plays, but we can't just sit back there and let them pick us apart and dink and dunk us and run for four or five yards of carry and expect to win this game either. See, I'm kind of thinking it. I'm th- kind of thinking of it this way. Um, they may run the ball a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And and if we're sitting in zone coverage, that's probably more optimum for them to do that. Um, but I'd rather have that. Let them let them run it. I disagree. I disagree. That that's first time that I'm going to disagree with you. I think that's probably one of the worst things besides giving up a big long play. I think we are way more susceptible to dealing with the run than we are uh, if he starts throwing the ball over the place and running on us himself. I think we are in deep shit if that happens. Well, I, have I to mean, be totally I, honest with you, I have. I'm much just. More I'm a little bit different. I, I I have more faith in our passing defense than you give it credit for. Um, as long as. Jim Knowles is not constantly putting us out on an island. What are you talking about, dude? We gave up big plays to Michigan, throwing freaking wobbly ducks through the air. Like again, our, our, our again, like I said, terrible. is because Burke is because terrible. we had because we had no. Dude, help our defense over the top. is our truth or fact. Our defensive backfield is the weakest part of our team. Truth. So why the hell would you want him throwing it on us? I guess I don't understand that logic. I, That's where we're susceptible. We give up the big plays that way. We give up big plays like that when we are put in situations where we are uh, put out on islands. So that's what I'm saying in the fact that we can still scheme a game plan defensively that we can focus on trying to stop the run while not putting everyone on an island. You can still run with more or run a defense with more players in the box, but still have some help over the top. It doesn't have to be a complete so, total sellout like well, no, it was you can't in play the Michigan cover zero. game. 
can't that's play what cover I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is we don't need to be playing a cover four either. No, but I'm saying this. Let him have a little run. I'll, well, I'll, I'll let him have a little run. I, I have more faith in the defensive line to make some stops in the running game than I have in years in last couple of years. But still, the defense, the the defensive line is going to need some help uh, outside of just the linebackers in the running game for portions of this game. Um, there's got to be ways that Jim Knowles can be creative to help out with that to try to make sure the run doesn't dominate this game, because we want to have as many opportunities with the ball in our hands to score as much as possible in this game. Because again, I told you that the the recipe for our success in this game is we've got to score over thirty points. We have to. And in order to do that, we can't have them constantly running the ball on us and running six, seven, eight-yard drives, whether they score or not, because it's still limiting how much time we have. Now, I'm not saying we give it the big play and we get the ball right back either, because you know both of those are bad. But I think the worst one, I guess in my opinion, is when they score that seven points after run, you know, a seven, eight-minute drive or worse. So I understand we need to keep it in front of us. We don't need to give up big plays, but we also don't need them to run it down a throat all the way down the field either. See, I'd rather I'd there rather has to be a combination. Of, there has to be a combination of some aggressive defense with some safe defense in this game. It has to be a combination. We can't go all out like we did in, in Michigan, but we cannot just back off completely as well. There has to be some sort of picking your spots, doing it occasionally, mixing up the looks. So that way, Stetson Bennett has no idea if, it, if the pressure's coming, if it's not coming, what we're dropping into, if we're blitzing A-gap. Like, I want him confused. And that's what we didn't show. We were too obvious against Michigan, and they saw it, and they adjusted. And then when we adjusted back, that's when they started running. Like, it was like, oh, you're going to do this, and I can see you're doing this every play? Well, then I'm just going to do this. Oh, you went back to the old thing you used to do? Now I'm going to do this. And I want it to be constantly different, constantly mixing it up to where he doesn't know what's hitting him. That is I the agree, recipe. But, but I want to take the wind out of the sails. I mean, don't forget where this game is. I mean, don't forget where it is. Okay. We're right down the street from them. We're not right down the street from us. I know Ohio State travels well. I know there'll be our fans will be there in in masses. I get that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm not saying if Southwest is Southwest Airlines has anything to say about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm just saying. For me, one of the big things about this is taking that crowd out of it as soon as I can. I don't every think you're. Every, I, I don't think you're going to take the crowd out of it at all, man. I mean, oh, this I'm taking them out. No, you're not, because this this game is. I'm expecting this to be a classic. This is going to be a classic game, whether it turns out in our favor or not. I'm expecting this one to be a classic. There's a handful of people that think it, we're going to get steamrolled. I'm sorry, I'll be the first person to tell you, no. It's not going to happen, not two games in a row. And even in that Michigan game, we didn't get steamrolled. We played like crap, played the worst game of the year, and we were still only down a single score halfway through the fourth quarter. So, nice try. We're not going to get steamrolled in this game. Um, well, then not let's go happen. right into it, it's dude, because it's time anyways. It's time anyways. What, what's your prediction? What, what's going to happen, dude? So, I have nothing written down, and I'm not doing this emotionally. I'm doing this. Yes, you are. You're the Everything emotional one. Everything we do is emotional. Everything You're we do the is emotional, emotional one. I'm You're only emotional because it makes you emotional. And that's what makes us emotional. That's that <laughs> is a lie. I'm a, I'm getting heated because you're getting heated. Normally I'm the level-headed one. Go on, no. tell everyone, tell everyone I'm telling the truth. 
Yeah, I mean, it's true. I'm just passionate, dude, about the things that I that I love. Like beer. passionately wrong <laughs> at times, but you're passionate. <laughs> like seriously. They closed the roosters up by my old house because multiple people got shot there. And I like I get that they got shot, but damn it, that roosters was awesome. And I was really <laughs> upset about it. <laughs> It's kind of how I felt when they shut down Shoney's around us. Yeah. I was like, I understand it was sketch at times, but man, that breakfast before the breakfast buffet, dude, that was no joke. Yeah. All right, man. Give it to me. So what are you saying? I'm making you go first. Yeah. So I am doing this. Like I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, partially out of hope because I understand what I have seen on the field against Michigan and kind of the back half of that year. Uh, was a bit of a struggle at times. Uh, but understanding what I saw the first half of the year, what we have on the roster, uh, our physical capabilities. I mean, even though we give Ryan Day a lot of crap, he's still he's still an offensive guru, at least better than what we've had before. Um, we have an improved defense this year. We have the players to do it. If we have the drive and the willingness to compete and to get punched and get back up off the canvas, like I feel like we should. Uh, I see this as a super competitive game. I see it as a back and forth game. Um, I do not see this anymore like a repeat of 2014 uh, because we're a different team. We were coming into the playoffs hot that year off of a 59-0 win against uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, and it's the same boat. Like No one gave us a chance against Alabama. Everyone's predicting Alabama was going to win the national title that year. And we end up beating them, you know, not handily, but pretty solidly there in the second half. And it's just that's not going to be the case. Um, I feel like this is a game that uh, it's going to be within three points at halftime. And the second half, it's going to come down to a few plays. And I'm predicting the first time that you see CJ Stroud run for a touchdown. He will rush for one touchdown in this game. He will throw for three more, and we will win this game 35-31. That is a bold statement. Not the score, but the prediction. Now, I have heard reports uh, that CJ Stroud during his media day was talking about that he's going to do anything to win, which is what I've been waiting for him to do and say, um, you know, for the balance of this season. Going to have to see it on the field, buddy, before you tell me anything. Yeah. Um, you don't I, have to go as in depth as I did, but I wanted to preface why I felt the way I did, because if for us to realistically win this game, we need CJ Stroud to have a fricking game, three tutties through the air, one on the ground, 35, 31. All right. I want to, I want to put it this way. I've had an opinion of this game since the beginning. Okay. And that is that I think the exact opposite of you i don't think this game's going to be super close i don't think it's going to be within a score i think one of these two teams is going to have a better game plan and come out firing on all cylinders and one of the other is going to come out semi-flat and i think that that's going to take its momentum like a snowball rolling down the hill and i think that one of these two teams is going to get beat and i'm not talking about beat by seven and typically I'm not that happens about in every game <laughs> yeah i'm not talking about beat by <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about beat by 21 either. Okay, I'm saying that I think a team, I think that this game is going to be won by at least two scores, possibly three, whichever way that it goes. Now, because 
I am who I am, and I love my Buckeyes. I cannot bring my heart to pick against them. But I will say this. After I say the score, I'm going to tell you that I won't be shocked, and I want this on recording, if it is exactly the opposite. 100% the opposite. I think that one of these two teams is going to lose big. That's just the way that I feel about it. So I am going to pick my Buckeyes here, and I am going to go 38-24. Buckeyes. And I understand where you're coming from. Here's something that I wanted to bring up that I decided until now to bring up is I find it very interesting that Vegas has reported that 88% of the betting has come on Georgia, which is expected, right? Which usually means what? Usually means what happens to the line. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, yeah, it's going to change more in, in favor of, you know. Guess what the line, guess what the line hasn't done. I don't know. I mean, tell me it something. It hasn't <laughs> changed. It hasn't changed. When you have almost 90% of the bet on one side of a bet, you move that line. Vegas has not moved the line. Which means they want people to continue to take bets on that side. The reason they would move the line is they need people to start taking bets on the other side to equal out possible losses, right? Yeah. That's how it works. So if it starts at six and a half and people's betting the crap out of it, and they got 88 to 90% of the bets on that side, and they really feel like Georgia's going to win this game by seven or more, they would have moved that line. They would have moved that line to seven and a half, eight and a half, nine, creep it close to 10 to try to get people to start betting on the other side to try to equal out some losses. Or to try to, you know, if people want to bet that side, they have to bet such a big spread, they may not cover it. The fact they have not moved that line tells me that Vegas really believes this is going to be a lot closer game than a lot of people are anticipating. So I have, listen, I'm I'm always going to be a fan. No matter how much we try to sit and analyze, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to support the Buckeyes no matter how good or how bad it goes. I might be frustrated, but I will wake up the next day and half my damn wardrobe's Ohio State and one of my five rooms of my house is completely decorated Ohio State. Like, this is my life, okay? So no matter what happens, I will support them. But I want to sit in front of that TV on New Year's Eve and I want to be motivated. I want to be supportive and I want to see a quality product on that field. And I just have this feeling that we are going to rise to the occasion. Um, it is not a cocky confidence. It is a, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to put it into words. It's not like I'm expecting a win. It is more of a hopeful win, but it is an expectation that we are not going to lay an egg in back-to-back games. We are going to come out and finally put some things together that we've been wanting to all year. Because I told you, I feel like the best game we played from front to back all the way around was that Wisconsin game. If we can put that same type of performance on the field, I think I think that it's exactly going to be what my score prediction is. Oh, dude, I hope you're right. Listen, before we get out of here, by the way, uh, we need to talk about the prop bet. So, And our bull bet, by the way, too. We forgot to mention that. I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> So go ahead. Talk about the prop bet. The prop bet. um, Remind everyone. So in case they don't know, 
we put a poll up on Facebook uh, that had some different options for people to choose about what I had to do. Um, yeah. For losing prop bets all year. Yeah, losing prop bets all year. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, what was voted was that I need to stand on the street corner, um, which for me um, will be on the corner of Stringtown and Buckeye Parkway, which, you know, if you're from Grove City, Ohio, where I am, you know, that's a very, uh, very busy. Now listen, give them, give them an exact time because we'll have this episode posted early enough that if someone's nearby, they can drive by and honk at you. Well, I don't know. Okay, I will be there. Give us um, a time frame somewhere in the midst of 11 to noon. Um, I have some things to do tomorrow. And so once I get everybody in my family in the car, you know, my plan is I'm going to take some footage from my view. And then, uh, you know, my wife and daughter are going to drive by uh, with the window down and record me um, as they come down string Tom road as well. Um, so there will be, and then I'm going to put a little something together. Um, I'm hoping to get it out by Friday. I'm hoping. If I don't get it out by Friday, I will have it out um, sometime this weekend, however I have to do it. Um, but I'm trying to get it all together, and I, I kind of want to make it kind of cool, and you'll see what I, when I get an idea um, of how I want to put it together. It's going to be kind of fun for everybody, so be, be looking out for that. But, yes, I will be on the corner of Stringtown and Buckeye Parkway in Grove City sometime in the 11 o'clock to noon time frame. I have made the sign. We are locked in. Ready to roll. I will be out there with a beanie on, um, and you will not be able to miss me. I'll be holding a giant sign, and across my beanie, it will say LOSER um, in big, bold capital letters. And also, there will be a sign there pointing exactly what's going on. So we'll see what kind of uh, obscenities and uh, and honks I get um, as I stand out there in the corner like a streetwalker um, in broad daylight. But honestly, dude, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long time since anyone besides my wife has cussed me out. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it should be a good time. Look for that. I said it's going to be pretty cool when I put it up there. So, uh, you know, take a look out for that. Um, and, yeah, Davis, tell them about our terrible bull picks here. Yeah, I'll get to that in a sec. So I at least want to give you props, dude. For someone that loses a lot of bets, you man up and you take that bet uh, and you run with it. I mean, Square just, like, chin. just yep. like last year when you had to have the big sausage as your <laughs> profile pick for like a week and you had all kinds of weird questions. You ran with it just like when you lost the other prop bet. And then you had to sit there in our video episode. And every time I said Buckeye, you had to like sponsor Hillshire farm bratwurst. And you know, yeah, you, because you, you know something you I take your L's, you take your L's more better than anyone I have ever met in my life. And not only do you take your L, you take pride in your L. Yeah. I do because you know what? Here's what I thought to myself. Because I at first I was not motivated. I was like, Jesus, man, here we go. But then I thought, you know what? There's probably been many great people had to work a corner before. Probably had to work a street corner for God knows why. All right. And I'm out there honoring these people, these great people. I'll be honoring everyone that's ever stood on a corner for some reason or another <laughs> tomorrow between eleven and noon. <laughs> so I'm setting the over under <laughs> on how much change you actually get. <laughs> At three dollars and seventy five cents, <laughs> like I'm expecting. It to I, be have like, a, I have a I have a feeling you're still gonna get people at the stoplight that's gonna lower the window down and offer you some damn money. They're not even gonna. Probably. They're not even gonna read your sign. They're just gonna offer you. I'm setting it over under at three seventy five. Like in my head, I see it, like in that scene from Anger Management where he stops on the bridge, you know, and like they're singing "I Feel Pretty" and like as they're singing it, like people are driving by, they're like "Burning Hell!" Like. Yeah. As the thing is <laughs> 
that's how I see it going, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> now, you promise you'll stay up there for a good bit of time. Like, it's not going to be five minutes and I'm packing up shop. Like, I want at least 30 to 40 light changes. Yeah, that's what I... I plan on being out there about a half an hour to 45 minutes yeah, whenever I yeah, get something, Yeah, something that's a good, decent amount of time. That... My wife doesn't want to be involved. She's going to... Uh, Drop me off, do a couple passbys, and then she's gonna go get her oil changed, and then come back and get me. So that's 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 how long I'll be. You know out what the good thing is, we we should bet right now. We should do a prop bet right now on how many times you think you'll get honked at. Now the only reason we're not really gonna do is because I don't want you to sit there and count every damn honk. But yeah. I'm, I'm I'm saying if you're gonna be out there for at least thirty minutes, I say, mm, I, I'm gonna put it at probably like over seventy five honks. Oh, dude, people are going to be lighting me up. And this is you know, Columbus, man. Like on a what Thursday, 11 or noon, you may think that's not a big deal. Dude, not only is that lunch rush hour, but this is still the holiday week. There's a lot of people off work, a lot of people returning crap. Oh, dude. That's a busy part of Stringtown. You got the IMAX theater, you got Dick Sporting Goods, you got, yeah, Lowe's, you got, I mean, dude, you got my, so my plan. My plan is to count how many insults I get, and I'm going to write them. At some point, like in when I reveal this thing, I will tell everyone every name that I was called because I just feel like it's coming. You know what I mean? Like Mo Ron. You know, I I can't wait to. You know, <laughs> now do you have something. a logo? Do you have a logo of our podcast you're going outside with too? Absolutely not. No. Why not? It's just extra sure exposure. I probably will wear um, our hooded sweatshirt that I have. Um, yeah, and I will be waving the sign around. Now, no one's going to be able to read it, but, I mean, in case someone asks what you're wearing, I mean, wouldn't hurt. Well, listen, dude, I draw like a freaking fifth grader with, you know, a left hand that they've never drawn with before. So, the fact that anyone could even read the sign is is just phenomenal. Okay, so That's true, because when, when you proposed to your now wife, who was the one that had to write the sign out for you well, when you yeah. came down to do it? It was, you made me write your damn sign out. Well, remember when we did the... Uh, the uh picture before where we had to where we did the bet and i had to hold that sign that says you know the only pe- reason people listen to the podcast is for davis my wife made that sign yeah i know that was not <laughs> your handwriting that was definitely your wife's handwriting yeah oh all right man talk right. about the uh so the bowl bet for those of you who don't know if you're still listening to us which we appreciate all our listeners but if you're still listening uh we also did a bowl bet because we just we're degenerate gamblers i guess uh, but we did a bowl bet also where we pick all the bowl winners just straight up, not based on any spread, nothing, just straight up. And as of this current moment, I am 16 and 7, and Chad is 12 and 11. So right now I have a four-game lead, and I don't know how many more games we have different at this point, but what was on the line was a full dinner at Roosters, drinks included. So... It may be another victory lap for Davis, or maybe Chad can do what he does best and come from behind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, that one wasn't even rehearsed and you caught me by surprise. I was like, do what that I do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a good one there, dude. Grill me all the damn time. It's about time I got you on one. Yeah, that was a that was a slam dunk, dude. You got me there, no <laughs> doubt. Oh man, that's a lot of fun. But hey, listen, uh, big time game this weekend, man. You're big you're time game. You're gonna be in town. I will be traveling uh, to Kentucky, 
to watch the game with Davis. Um, so something Facebook Live. We may not. We haven't even talked about it. But usually, if we're in town together, maybe maybe it's a good sign that we do one because we thought about doing one for the Michigan game and we skipped it. And look what happened. Maybe we do true. one. But then again, that's last time we, when we played Northwestern, we saw that turned out too. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> oh, all right, man. Well, hey, we've jabbered on long enough. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, like I said, I, I will post that video as soon as I get it up and edited. But understand, if I don't get it Friday, it's only because, believe me, what I'm going to do is epic, and it'll be worth the wait. So be looking out for that. And we'll we'll give you a heads up when it's coming. But, uh, yeah. Um, like I said, some of you I'll talk to, some of you I won't. But if I don't, go Bucks. Um, and hopefully, man, we'll be coming back on here and talking about a trip to the Natty. Um, so, yeah. Davis, tell them where they can find us. All right, guys. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us on all major streaming services. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, that's where we share a lot of our information. We do our polls. Uh, we make a lot of other posts. It's probably our best way that we interact. Uh, you can also message us through Facebook as well. But we also have a Twitter page that we put some stuff out to. Uh, again, just search Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. You'll find us right away. Um, guys, cannot thank you enough for, you know, if, if this weekend is our last game of the season. We've had an amazing third season on this podcast. We have grown exponentially this year. Um, and that's all uh, a tribute to you guys that are committing to download our episodes, to listen to us, to listen to the bull crap that we, we continue to gibberish uh, every single episode. And, you know, we really enjoy it. Um, the more we continue to grow, the more in new thing, the more uh, extra stuff and new things that we're looking to get into to make this thing even bigger and better and more enjoyable for the, uh, for those of you that listen. So, if you get an opportunity, haven't already, join our Facebook page, subscribe to whatever listening station you do that would download our episodes. But again, we cannot appreciate all the support enough, guys. So here's to a big, hopeful victory this weekend against the Georgia Bulldogs in the semifinal CFP and an unimaginable that we haven't talked about possible matchup in the national title game with a rematch against Michigan. We can cross our fingers and hope to God we'll see what happens. But guys, enjoy the game this weekend. If we don't talk to you, go Bucks. OH.